This evening from James chapter 3, we will build this sermon. This is related to classes I've been teaching recently from the book of Proverbs. I've made those classes into videos with audio along with slides, and those are available on YouTube. I'll have a link to that on Facebook after the live stream. Proverbs has much to say about the use of the tongue. And so this sermon supplements that instruction. Have your Bible open to James chapter 3. The book of James can be considered in terms of how to be a Christian. But that needs some clarity. The book of James is not exactly like a how-to manual in the modern sense. It is not that you simply read step one and step two and follow directions. You follow directions because you know the director. You abide by the rules because of your relationship with the ruler. You've become acquainted with God. You are responding to his grace. You want to obey Jesus Christ. So it is not exactly like the typical manual of instruction because we become acquainted with the author, the creator, and the savior. And because of that acquaintance, we are devoted to learning and being guided by divine wisdom. Would you listen, please? I'm going to read from James chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grape vine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. That's James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. So here's the question we're going to let this passage answer for us tonight. How do I let God tame 
my tongue. How do I let God tame my tongue? First, recognize your own failure. That's really where James begins. James is not telling us you can do it. James is actually telling us we can't do it. We have a history of not taming the tongue. Listen again to the opening verses. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now, listen to this in verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Then he says in verse 5, the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. And then he says in verse 8, no human being can tame the tongue. That's very strong language. Man, with his own resources and power, cannot do this. Man doesn't have a history of doing this. And it's essential that we begin the study of James 3 and the use of the tongue by admitting our failure. No man can tame the tongue. And Paul agreed with this over in Romans 3, 10 to 18. He is establishing man's guilt when he says, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. What is Paul documenting? What is he establishing with this sequence of quotations? There is this tendency on the part of man to think he can do what he's failed to do. There is this tendency on the part of man to boast of what he can do, a humanistic pride or boasting that we don't need God, we are okay just the way we are, that we don't need to read the Bible and follow the teaching of Christ, all this church business, old-fashioned, unnecessary, a waste of time. We are advanced and evolved, and we've invented great things, and we have visited the moon and cured diseases. Well, maybe not. And we have all of our electronic technology. Many people seem to think there is a God, and he is there if we get in trouble. But on a day-to-day level of activity, there are people who believe we pretty much got everything under control. We can get up and go to work and make money and have fun and solve problems and be pretty content. We are sufficient. We are okay. We are conquerors and managers and inventors. But here's what Paul says, quoting Scripture. Here's what the Old Testament says. Here's what Proverbs says. Here's what James says in James chapter 3. We can't even tame the tongue. Every president of the United States has said something he shouldn't have said, even the ones you like. 
These people who are celebrated as leaders and the great minds and the winners of the Nobel Prize, the brilliant poets, the best-selling authors, none have tamed the tongue. No, not one. The skilled, professional animal trainers who domesticate wild animals and train those animals to entertain human audiences. See if those professional trainers have tamed their tongue. Man, trying to live independent of God, sins with his tongue. Out of the same mouth will come forth blessing and cursing. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. That's how pervasive this sin is. In order for God to get us out of this kind of trouble, in order for God to tame your tongue, step number one is we need to recognize our own failure to tame the tongue. Then recognize that God never fails. Turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah's burden, as written in the second half of the book bearing his name, is to give hope and comfort to God's people who were headed for exile. This is part of what the prophet said, Isaiah 40, 27 to 31. What do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. One point made here is God is not like man. God doesn't get tired, doesn't lose control, doesn't fail at anything. Whatever is given by God, he will not fail to mold and make it to his glory. The opening pages of the Bible testify God is perfectly good and everything he made was good. God has on his record not a single failure. Along with recognizing my failure, which is step number one, I need to recognize God's success. Step number two is for me to recognize God never fails. So, let God have your heart. We had a foster child one time, a little boy named Fritz, who had all sorts of problems imposed upon him early in his life. And when Kansas Social Services removed him from that bad environment and placed him in our home, one problem we observed right away, Fritz had this problem with what he said. Fritz had learned how to talk from people who cussed every time they talked. We had a tough time trying to retrain Fritz and with little professional resources. 
The school bus driver reported to us several times that Fritz was using language on the bus that wasn't appropriate. This was in the 1970s. I had a conversation with Fritz about this one day, and he said the problem was that big yellow bus. Now, he was mislocating the problem. And I think adults do the same thing. We often mislocate the problem. If you slap someone in the face, the problem was not your hand. If your tongue is full of deadly poison, the problem is not located in your tongue. All bad behavior originates in the mind, and the Bible term is heart. Violence is a heart problem. Theft is a heart problem. Adultery is a heart problem, and unruly tongue is a heart problem. James chapter 3 verse 14 speaks of bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts. In James 5, where do wars and fights come from among you? Desires for pleasure within. James 5 in verse 8 says, establish your hearts. The taming of the tongue is something God can accomplish through hearts submitting to him. Let me say that again. The taming of the tongue is something God can accomplish through hearts submitting to him. Listen to this in James 4, 7 to 9. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. What we need to do sometimes is go all the way back to basics. All the way back to basics. Who made your tongue? Who gave you the gift of thinking and communicating? Well, the first page of the Bible has the answer, God made man in his own image. If God made it, he can tame it. But you'll have to let him have it. If God made it, he can tame it, but you'll have to let him have it. You do that through humble submission, reverence, obedience to your maker. God doesn't get hold of us against our will, treat us like robots, and cause us to glorify him against our choice. No. But he made us in his image to glorify him, and he can tame my tongue if I will give myself to him wholeheartedly. God doesn't tame my tongue by miracle. He does it through my submission to him and his word. The people who don't sin with their tongue are the people who are living out daily the wisdom that is from above. People who want to think right and speak right, and so they pray and study and learn and listen to be receivers of the wisdom that is from above. A young preacher said to me a few years ago, why is so much of my preaching repetitive? Seems like I wind up saying the same thing over and over again. So I talked to him about it. I said, are you preaching the same sermons over and over? He said, no. I said, are you going over the same subjects or passages over and over week after week? He said, no. I said, all right, here's what's probably happening. You are constantly and consistently, but in different ways, 
telling people that they need to obey God and that Jesus died so that we can be forgiven and live in obedience to God. He said, yes, that's it. I said, you need to keep doing that. We preach and teach from a Bible full of different passages, different approaches, and we cover a huge range of subjects in our preaching. But all the time, we're going to end by telling people God is right. Listen to him and do what he says. Jesus died so that you can be forgiven of your sin, become a child of God, and live as an obedient child of God with your mind and body under God's control. And God can do great things. And that's exactly what James is telling us in the book of James regarding the use of the tongue. You cannot tame your tongue without God. With God, it can be tamed, but you'll have to cooperate with him. He must see and know of our meekness, our humble spirit before him, as we live hearing and doing what he said. And that leads me to this passage that will take me to my wrap-up. James 1, 19 through 27. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now listen to the next part of this. I'm still in James 1. I'm now at verses 26 and 27. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Pure and undefiled religion is our submission to God through the activity of faith in Jesus Christ. Here's the, the beauty of the gospel. Whatever you have said, dishonesty, foul language, and insult, transmitting gossip, setting on fire the course of nature, bitter cursing, whatever, you can be forgiven because of what Jesus did. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I thank you for listening.